Hello again, everyone. Uh, my name is Rob Danish. I'm here with episode 24 of Now We're Talking. Um, as I've said before, I'm a professor of communication studies, and it just so happens that for the next bunch of episodes of this podcast, I've invited some of my students to talk about some concepts that they think are particularly important. So I've got my first student here with me today. His name is Stavros, and he's going to help me talk about intrapersonal communication. Uh, he's going to talk through some things that he thinks has found uh, important components of intrapersonal communication, and we'll try and weave that into some some good positive recommendations for improving intrapersonal skills. So Stavros, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about intrapersonal communication? Sure thing, Rob. So uh, like Rob said, my name is Stavros. I'm at my fourth year at the University of Waterloo right now. And uh, I'm a speech communications major, so what Rob teaches, I take a few of his classes. And so, yeah, I think interpersonal communication is a really important uh, topic and thing to talk about. And frankly, not something that's talked about very often in general. A lot of people talk about communication, but normally when they say that, they're talking about communication with others. And I think that this part of communication tends to be overlooked a lot. Um, so some stuff that I think is really interesting about uh, interpersonal is kind of just how interpersonal really affects who you are as a person and kind of how you behave. So one of the first things that I thought was really interesting that I found was this thing called positive and negative cycles. Um, so these cycles, essentially how they work is that you'll have a positive thought about something. So for example, something like, um, I'm going to rock this test or I'm going to do really good. Based off of that positive thought, you have a desired or a desired behavior. So you do well in the test or something like that. Then from that, you have another positive thought. So something like, oh man, I really did well on that test. And then you develop a higher self-esteem, and that cycle just continues with more positive thoughts, desired behaviors, and, and uh, so on. On the opposite end of things, we have um, very similar except for the negative side of the cycle. So you'd have a um, negative thought, so I'm going to fail this test, and the desired behavior, which would be failing the test, either not trying or maybe not even going to whatever you're, you're thinking about doing because you just think you're going to fail. Then another negative thought, so I failed again, and based off of that, you develop a lower self-esteem, and then that cycle just continues to, to move going, go on and on. Uh, so the idea behind these cycles is that the way you talk to yourself actually has an effect on behavior and outcomes. And then that outcome or that behavior that results from the way you talk to yourself reinforces the way you talk to yourself. So you continue to engage in the same pattern of intrapersonal communication because the effect produced by that intrapersonal communication leads to more of the same kinds of intrapersonal communication. Am I right about that? Yeah, exactly. Basically, that's what the cycle kind of promotes is that you keep on doing the same thing. There's this concept in interpersonal communication called a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. And so that's kind of what takes place in these cycles is that um, if we're talking about a negative cycle, if you think I'm going to fail at this, so why even try if I know I'm going to do poorly? So either you don't try at all or you go and you try, but because you think you're going to fail, even if you might have been able to do good, you almost force yourself to fail because that's what you believe was going to happen. Um, it's not an intentional thing by any means, but it's something that tends to happen with the interpersonal communication. And then on the on the positive side of things, you do well and that continues. But because you keep telling yourself these things, and then especially when you after you get your desired outcome and you say, I failed again, 
you just keep on developing this cycle and your self-esteem either gets higher or lower and then it just keeps on going and going and going. So I guess one recommendation for all of us is that we all ought to pay attention to the kinds of patterned ways in which we talk to ourselves. And if we can identify a particular pattern of intrapersonal communication that we each have, and then trace the consequences of that pattern to tell whether or not that pattern reinforces the same kind of intrapersonal communication because of the consequences that result from the pattern. And these patterns can be very, very difficult to, to change or to shake, but the root of them are in these intrapersonal communication dynamics, the way you talk to yourself about any particular thing. Yeah, exactly. That's one thing. So I have two younger sisters, and um, they'll often come to me when they're having problems with school or anything like that, and they'll tell me, Stavros, I'm really not good at science. I'm not going to do well on this test. And I try and tell them, don't say that. Tell yourself you're going to do well. Study. Tell yourself I'm going to rock this test. Cause if you And I basically try and explain this to them because, as I said, it's not something that's really taught very much. And so I try and kind of, like you said, Rob, sit, down, sit them down and say, okay, when you tell yourself you're going to fail this test, how does it make you feel? Well, it makes me feel stupid. Okay, but then you're telling yourself that you're stupid. You're not stupid. And so trying to make them understand that what you are thinking does affect does affect how you act and and the way that you you do things and not only it's not only something that you're thinking and it doesn't matter that what you're thinking and how you talk to yourself really truly does matter in your day-to-day interactions in life i'd add too that um many many of us and in fact probably all of us learn communication behaviors from those that we're surrounded by so we imitate or mimic certain communication behaviors and odds are if you learned how to talk you well, let me put it like this. Odds are you learned how to talk to yourself. You might have learned how to talk to yourself from brothers or sisters or parents or people that are quite close to you. So you can also identify in others the way you see others speaking to themselves, especially others that you're close to, and ask yourself, to what extent am I mimicking or imitating these intrapersonal behaviors or patterns of communication that I've seen in these others, and how is that affecting me? I worry with my own youngest son that he speaks so much like me I worry that he's acquired the same intrapersonal communication habits that I've acquired. Um, and I wonder how that will work out for him if it's really beneficial or it's not beneficial to have that particular pattern in place. So Yeah, exactly. And so there's another concept that I want to talk about because it kind of ties into what we're talking about right now. Um, and that's the concept of or the, the concept of self-concept that people create of themselves. Um, so a self-concept is essentially how you see yourself and then that's essentially how you portray yourself um, to the world and to others and so this self-concept is heavily impacted by how you talk to yourself it does get impacted by how others speak to you as well but it is really heavily impacted on how you talk to yourself and and these cycles and all that kind of stuff it really really impacts your self-concept and as I said because your self-concept is what you portray to the world you want it to be a good you want to be as positive as you can because that self-concept and how you talk to other people will then affect how they want to talk to you um, so talking to yourself is kind of like the first step to make sure that you can then afterwards actually communicate with others in a positive way that will make them feel good. Self-concept's a great illustration of the larger point of this whole podcast. I often tell my students I'm teaching a class called SpeechCom 101 right now. It's just theories of communication, and I try to, to explain to them that the transmission model of communication is inaccurate. It doesn't tell us about meaning very much and actually... Uh, what I call the constitutive model of communication is much more important. And what the, that model teaches us is is that the meaning of anything is an outcome of communicative acts. In this case, 
the meaning what you, who you take yourself to be your self-concept is actually an outcome of communication it's not a pre-existing property of your soul or your personality it's an outcome of communicative processes and one communicative process that's incredibly important to constructing the self-concept is intrapersonal communication as stavro said it's true that we get self-concept from other communicative interactions but we often forget of the foundational role that intrapersonal communication plays in developing a self-concept so if you're sitting at home right now listening and you think well this is what i think of myself you need to realize that that is not um it's not a, a property of the core of who you are the reason you think that about yourself is because you've engaged in a communication in a series of communication patterns or behaviors or acts both with others and with yourself that have constructed this self-concept it's a product of those communicative interactions so if you want to change your self-concept the first thing you ought to do is change your intrapersonal communication patterns or habits or practices that's the key to that change yeah and obviously changing your self-concept is not an easy task to do but like rob said the first task is to is to realize how you're talking to yourself and sometimes the way you talk to yourself is dictated by communicative interactions you've had with others so um you know if you have a brother or sister that always tells you that um you're really bad at science or you're you you smell or something then you might develop a self-concept saying and then you'll talk to yourself and you'll continue that interpersonal communication based off of another communicative interaction you've had what's important to realize is that how you're talking to yourself and realize no and I, I'm not bad at science or I don't smell or whatever um, and realize that just because somebody else is saying this to you that does not mean that you have to input that and make that a part of your intrapersonal communication and how you talk to yourself so realizing how others might also affect the way you talk to yourself and your intrapersonal communication is very important good so we've got two basic insights two things to remember so far now number one intrapersonal communication has consequences and usually those consequences reinforce a pattern or a cycle or a set of behaviors or a set of results so we get caught in what we might call intrapersonal cycles because our pattern of intrapersonal communication leads to a consequence which reinforces the pattern of intrapersonal communication number two to the second thing to look out for is that our self-concept is a product of intrapersonal communication just as much as it's a product of any other form of communicative interaction so the way we talk to ourselves influences the way we see ourselves. And if you want it to change something, or if you're not happy with your self-concept, you need to change the way you speak to yourself as well. Yeah. What's important too is that the way you speak to yourself is the one thing that you really have the power of controlling. Um, you can't really control how others speak to you, right? That's their, that's their, um, that's their prerogative. But intrapersonal is the one thing that you really have the power to control so you're the one that's telling yourself that you can't do this or that you can do that um, and so the first step like Rob said is to, to recognize how you are speaking to yourself and your interpersonal communication and based off of that if it's if it's something that you like and it's already it's already good then keep it that way and make sure you're aware of it or if it's something that you want to change to start changing it um, and try and based off of that change your self-concept and continue onwards with that this reminds me of my favorite anecdote or my favorite, one of my favorite studies because it was about Little League Baseball and I used to love playing Little League Baseball and neither of my sons want to play, which is unfortunate. But the they did a study in, the, I think it was the 1970s or early 1980s where they had, uh, I think their kids were 10 or 11 years old 
Um, they had one group of kids tell themselves they were going to get a hit before they went up to bat, and they had another group of kids not say anything to themselves. They didn't give them any kind of instruction. And sure enough, the kids that told themselves they were going to get a hit outperformed the kids that didn't say anything to themselves. And this was an indication that intrapersonal communication had material consequences or effects in the world on, on behavior. So, Yeah, it's just really interesting. And like I said, it, I think it's a shame that it's not as, um, as heavily taught especially this is especially important for younger generations because as you get older your self-concept becomes more and more developed and more and more kind of concrete and it becomes harder and harder to change um so i think teaching this to to kids and so in this study kind of showing the kids that hey this talking to yourself about this really does help about it i think that kind of thing is really important especially to learn when you when you're young and then you can continuously use it and develop it as you as you develop and grow older. That's right. The, the it's very important for younger kids because younger kids in particular when are learning a language, they're learning how to communicate and when they're learning that they're mimicking or imitating others they see communicating. But if they're mimicking or imitating intrapersonal communication habits that are not very uh, helpful for them in the long run, those habits can become deeply ingrained behaviors or patterns that are difficult to get out of. So if a kid early on learns effective intrapersonal communication, learns how to talk to themselves effectively, then they'll be more emotionally resilient and better able to accomplish all sorts of other communicative things in the world. They'll be more effective leaders and speakers and writers, etc., if they're able to uh, master intrapersonal communication first. Yeah. And um, and like like we've said before, it just it really develops who you are. And so I'm sure there are people that you know that you know we could call them the Debbie Downers or something like that that you don't really want to be around because they're always down on themselves. And as a result, they become their their behavior affects the people around them. And so you don't want to be around them because whenever you're around them, you feel down. And that's because of the way they talk to themselves. And I've had countless friends that are kind of like that. And I like to think that I try and help people. And so when I kind of find people that are like that, and I think they're a good person, but they're just so down on themselves all the time, I try and try to make them realize that the way you're talking to yourself, you know, matters. But it's hard to just bring that in somebody's head because sometimes people are so cemented in that, no, it's not that, it's just that I'm an awful person or it's just that nobody likes me. But it's just, that's just so important. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But if you get that ingrained in them from a young age, that it's important how you talk to yourself because that will then affect how you communicate with others and the effect you have on them, then they'll kind of start from a young age and be able to develop that. Um, kind of along with that, as a young age and kind of how you, so we've talked about how um, people kind of develop communication based off of who they kind of see communicating. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting when I was doing a bit further research into interpersonal communication was um, the concept that depending on whether you're from an individualistic culture or a collectivist culture, collectivistic culture, um, you might have a bit of a different way that you talk to yourself. Um, so just to describe a bit what individualistic and collectivist co collectivistic cultures are, um, individualistics are more um, North American, and by that what I mean is it's very about the self. So um, you're much more inclined to be doing things for yourself and to be doing things that you want to be doing. Um, it's really based on the self, whereas collectivistic cultures are cultures that are much more based on on the, the whole. So based on your family and doing things for others as opposed to just doing things that might be for yourself. Um, and that, from what I've researched and the research that has been done, affects the way you talk to yourself because um, in collectivistic cultures, 
you have you're more likely to do something for somebody else than you are for yourself and so you're more likely to to try and talk to them and and help them out and you don't think of yourself as much whereas in intra in in uh, individualistic cultures the interpersonal communication is different because you're so focused on yourself and what others think of yourself as opposed to just trying to help everybody as a whole um and i just think that's really interesting looking at people that I've met. So what's great about being at a university like University of Waterloo is that there are people from all around the world that come to this university. So I've met people from Pakistan, from Kenya, from all over the world, as well as people that are from North America and Canada. Um, And seeing the way that they communicate as opposed to the way, or I'm talking now as, so people that are from collectivistic cultures as opposed to people that are from individualistic cultures, seeing the difference in communication is just very interesting, I find. because the people that are in collectivistic cultures are, are I think, more um, attuned to the whole kind of concept of this podcast, which is what effect am I having on somebody else, as opposed to the people that are from individualistic cultures that are more attuned to the whole, did you get it? Because to them, it's not as important the effect that they've had, but more, did you are you understanding what I'm trying to say to you? Whereas in collectivistic cultures, they're more attuned to be wanting to make sure the effect they're having on somebody else is positive because they're more attuned to to care about that other and more taught to care about that other as opposed to caring mostly about themselves. So we're saying you're saying now that that culture shapes the interpersonal communication habits that are available to any one individual. And so one thing we ought to do or can do is pay attention to the ways in which our culture, whatever that culture is, shapes those interpersonal communication habits. And it may also be the case that that process of shaping, the way that culture shapes interpersonal communication, may have desirable or undesirable consequences depending on the situation within which we find ourselves. It may be helpful sometimes, it may not be helpful at other times, depending on context. So I guess the third the third thing to look out for here is to pay attention to the ways in which culture shapes inter- your interpersonal communication habits. And the way in which that process of shaping may or may not have consequences, whether unintended or intended consequences on other communicative practices. Am I right there? Yeah, certainly. So um, obviously there there are people that are in either or of the groups that I've spoken of and that have good communication, that have bad communication and all that. Um, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but to be, like you said, Rob, aware that the, of the fact that the culture that you're raised in and that you're raising your, your children in and all that kind of stuff does play an effect just like the way people communicate with you and the way you communicate with yourself on how you communicate. Um, So being aware of that and at least knowing that that can happen um, just gives you a bit more of a a tool and a bit more kind of awareness of how you can communicate with others and yourself uh, and how important that is. Great. So thank you, Stavros. I think we've got three good lessons to take from this particular podcast. Number one, Uh, pay attention to the ways in which intrapersonal communication can become cyclical, can become a kind of reinforced or or reoccurring habit or practice. Uh, Also pay attention to the ways in which culture shapes your own intrapersonal communication habits. And I think the middle one was the the most important one, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the general insight that intrapersonal communication has consequences. There are effects that will influence all sorts of things, especially your other communicative practices and other interactions yeah. later on. So one way to get better at, com- at communication is to get better at intrapersonal communication. And 
these are three ways that I think everyone out there can do it. So Stavros, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. And I appreciate having the insight of my students on the podcast. And we'll look forward to a few more episodes with more of my students coming up. Thanks.